Welcome to Ideal Conditions, a Polygon podcast. From controlling temperature and humidity in buildings and food plants to restoring critical documents like x-rays and rare books, we're here to explore the challenges and solutions for interior climate management and remediation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ideal Conditions, a podcast brought to you by Polygon. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the program. On this episode, we're going to be sharing some examples of projects that Polygon has worked on that really exemplify the, their expertise in climate control. And so I'm thrilled to welcome on the program here today, Victor Gomez-Bazan. He is the business unit manager for the West region at Polygon. Victor, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely thrilled to have you on here today, Victor. And we're also thrilled to be joined by Austin Jones. He's the business development specialist for the West Region at Polygon. Austin, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Absolutely. Really, really excited to have both of you guys on. And so what we're doing here today on the podcast is that we're going to share some incredible examples of some of the work that Polygon has done that really uh, kind of show off their technical expertise, operational excellence, and customer-focused solutions that they bring to the table. And so uh, again, pumped to have the Polygon West team here on the podcast today. And so uh, let's start off just with some uh, some interesting examples and, and some really cool projects that you guys have done. Victor, I want to start off by talking about the San Diego Courthouse project. Tell us a little bit about the size and the scope of that job and what all went into this. So the San Diego Courthouse was a great project that we did for Rudolph and Sledden. Uh, that project actually was in the planning stages when we were doing a the San Bernardino Courthouse years before. So during that project, uh, we showcased our abilities and it actually gave us an opportunity to actually uh, bid and uh, actually perform the project for the San Diego Courthouse and um, that, that building was 22 stories. Uh, we conditioned all of that from beginning to end for the millwork specs that needed to be kept for all the, the nice finishes that were installed from the public corridors to the private corridors uh, where the judges' um, offices and uh, the actual courtrooms themselves. So logistically, that was probably one of the largest and most complicated jobs that I had done at the time. Uh, so it was a pleasure to have been on that project. Um, so yeah, it was it was a great experience. What sorts of challenges are presented then, Victor, for a project of this size that you might not see or, or, or run into or experience on smaller projects? Uh, were there anything? Was there anything that maybe prop, popped up because you know you're working on a? I think you said 22 story building. Yeah, the the great challenge for that project was that one logistically it was in downtown San Diego and all of the majority 90 percent of the equipment had to sit outside. So we actually took up an entire city block on the east side of that construction site. Then the customer, Turner Construction, actually built us a 22-story scaffold that went up the side of the building, wrapped it in uh, shrink wrap, insulated it, and then that's what we actually used to distribute there into the building. And uh, that was actually only for the uh, sixth floor and then up. We actually used uh, a different uh, method to go from the bottom uh, five floors, which we call the podium. Amazing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's always exciting to see a project that is that large kind of come together and uh, to see it come to fruition. Uh, Austin, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Museum of Contemporary Art uh, project. Tell us a little bit more about that one um, and what all went into this project. Sure. So the Museum of Contemporary Art in San Diego operates out of two different locations. There is a downtown San Diego location and a waterfront La Jolla location as well. And the uh, La Jolla location recently went 
underwent a massive renovation where they completely rebuilt and gutted the old building and turned it into basically a work of art in and of itself. And the contractor that was on this project was going to be uh, installing lithocrete flooring, these beautiful polished floors that uh, were artistic, they were open and flowing and uh, really interesting designs. And lithocrete in and of itself is a water-based product. And because they had finished drywall hung uh, during this portion of the project, they were concerned about the moisture levels in that building being too, too elevated and uh, potentially putting drywall at risk. So they called Polygon a few months ahead of the lithocrete installation, and we were able to provide them a game plan, dehumidification system, and allow them to install that flooring with, with no issues, no delays. Everything went smooth as silk, and that museum is now open. That's that's fantastic, you know. And then one of the things that we've we've really shown off on, on the podcast um, is that as we talk to different regions uh, of the Polygon team, uh, you've really gotten to see just how some of the different climates around the United States impacts the different work that you guys have to do. Because uh, the conditions in Atlanta, in the South, are going to be different than what you experience in San Diego. What what are some of the challenges presented by the climate uh, that you experience in, in Southern California? So what we see a lot in Southern California. Cities in and of themselves can create microclimates. So a downtown metro filled with skyscrapers, those buildings will retain heat and will naturally be a warmer area than somewhere that's uh, more rural, dense vegetation away from the coast. So we see a lot of moisture issues along the coast uh, and in coastal cities, but we also see in, in bigger metros, we see conditions basically stay the same for longer periods of time because there's less airflow, less air movement. So these are all considerations that we're able to take um, into our, our design engineering and, uh, and planning for these projects. And oftentimes when we are looking at historical weather data for these jobs, we're able to see the exact conditions that it's been in that region for the last hundred years even. So there's a lot of planning that goes into it, but we are able to use research and data and, and historical weather information to make sure that we're going to face the right conditions. Absolutely. Victor, any, anything that you want to add on the, on the climate conditions and just the different ways that you can maneuver that? I think one of the biggest challenges we have is that most customers uh, approach that, that I've experienced is the do nothing approach because California uh, typically has ideal conditions, which uh, if you're in San Diego, you know, most of the time it's, it's ideal, but in the evenings you have that onshore flow, which can catch you off guard, especially if the building is pretty open uh, and you're not able to control the conditions in that space, uh, you can, you know, tend to have some issues. So uh, unfortunately, it's not always ideal, but that's usually the mentality is that California's got perfect weather. Yeah, that's right. I'm uh, As we record this, I'm in Texas right now. And so uh, I would do a lot of things for some California weather right about now, but um, we'll let that one go. Uh, Austin, uh, I want to stay here with you and, and talk a little bit about the Grand Hotel in Los Angeles. Tell us a little bit about that project. So we were contacted by a contractor in downtown Los Angeles that's building a, a or was rebuilding a historic hotel called the Grand. And the Grand sits on Grand Avenue and is uh, a, a two-tower hotel, uh, one tower of which is actually high-rise apartments, and the other tower of which is the hotel itself. 
So this contractor was tasking us with maintaining conditions so that they could install millwork, casework, finishes in their uh, entertainment areas. So the bar, the restaurant, their ballrooms, all of the um, amenities that were a part of this project. And those amenities happened to be on the 10th, 11th, and 12th floor, I believe. The challenge was that we only had 110 volt and 208 volt power to condition all three of these floors. And traditionally, when we are looking at high rise work and, uh, and the type of conditions that this contractor was looking for, uh, we would provide 480 volt equipment and be um, using more efficient gear in providing the conditions and, and controlling that space. So we were basically tasked with doing this with all small equipment. And what that meant is a lot more planning and communication on the front end of the project. We had to make sure that we were in constant communication with the superintendents on site, making sure that all of the equipment was um, in the right place, plugged in, that it was safe, that there, that, that cable was not uh, a tripping hazard, that we had spider boxes available for everything that, that they needed. And uh, it, it, it was a massive undertaking, but we were able to accomplish it with very minimal uh, issues at all. Victor, you heard Austin mention uh, just the, the coordination that is necessary in a project like this, uh, everyone kind of working together and communicating well. How do you manage communication like that and just make sure that everyone is on the same page um, when there are you know mitigating circumstances like what Austin uh, was mentioning? So we have a great team on the operations that work well with our sales team. And we have our process that once a BDS or you know, Austin has this project sold, uh, we do it a proper handoff. So that proper handoff is the introduction of the operations team who will actually be managing that uh, that project from beginning to end. So during the course of the project, obviously, especially when there's a lot of small equipment, you have tons of issues with all of the trades that are working in and around um, your equipment. So uh, typically what we'll do is we'll have a point of contact, which is the project manager. So when the on-site folks have issues, uh, equipment gets unplugged, uh, someone damages some equipment, uh, the, the first phone calls typically to the project manager, and then we dispatch uh, the technician as soon as possible. Uh, but then we also like to keep the sales team, uh, you know, in communication with what's going on with the project. So there's no uh, surprises later on. So uh, communication is something that we strive for here in the West. Uh, that's something that's really uh, you know, big on our list of things that we we focus on. Absolutely. 100% communication is always a, a really, really important thing. Um, Austin, as we move on to our next project, it's the Clark Construction Project on uh, UCSD's campus. Uh, that's a really big project. Tell us a little bit more about that and what was required here in this case. Yeah, so UCSD has been adding student housing to their campus for years now, and it's to increase attendance and, and to allow um, new students a place to, to stay on campus. So they are building living and learning communities on one side of the campus. And the first portion of that was the North Troy Pines living and learning community that was built by Clark Construction. And there were several residential halls that were a part of this development, um, basically high rise student housing. And what the contractor found was that when their drywaller was uh, installing tape and mud on the drywall, they were having delayed dry times and it was taking up to four days for the drywall mud to dry. So they called Polygon and asked us if we could help in any way. And what we were able to do is supply them with a dehumidi 
dehumidification system that was able to reduce those four-day dry times down to 11 hours. So it made a massive impact on that project's delivery date and schedule, and we were able to catch that building up within just a few days of the other residential hall that was nearby that didn't have the same issues. So we were able to adapt in those circumstances. Thankfully, we had uh, a, a team that was able to mobilize quickly and efficiently, and we were able to get them back on schedule and save them a lot of costs. That's fantastic. And I think a really good example of just um, the benefits that, that experience and that planning can can bring to a project like this. Uh, Victor, when you have uh, when you run into issues and run into different things that you have to uh, that maybe um, were unforeseen challenges or things like that, how do you rely on, on your experience and the, the, all of the knowledge that, uh, that the team there has um, at Polygon just to be able to, to overcome any challenges that a certain project can throw your way? Well, the great, the great thing about our team is that we have a lot of experience uh, within just uh, three people. There's over 50 years of experience between myself, Jaime, and you know, just naming Kevin Lockhart, who's our national operations manager, who's a great resource. So uh, during that living and learning uh, experience for the first half of that, we had a lot of challenges and uh, one of those challenges was, was space uh, and then distribution. So for the first half of that project, we actually had to use a trash chute uh, because there was limited access and there was a lot of site work uh, because they were trying to catch up um, with the rest of the building. So we were basically limited to where we could put the equipment and how we could get the air into the space. So for one of those structures, we actually had to take a large piece of equipment and basically shimmy it into a parking structure close enough that we could actually use a trash chute uh, that was um, that would allow us to actually distribute the air onto the onto the upper floor. So we had to adapt pretty quickly on that because uh, the initial conversation with the customer was that we were able to place the equipment outside and then duct from the outside of the structure in. So unfortunately, that literally changed from one day to the next and we had to adjust. So with the team, uh, we were able to kind of put together a plan and then actually put it in place and, and get us on track. That's fantastic. Yeah, the, the ability to uh, to adjust on the fly as necessary, as the job dictates, um, incredibly important, but also something that you can't just do uh, if you don't have the experience and the knowledge necessary to do it. And that's what the, the Polygon team has. And, and that's why it's great to hear some examples like this. Victor, I want to I wanna stay with you because um, there was a big pharmaceutical job that, uh, that Polygon worked on as well. And uh, obviously, when you talk about pharmaceutical facilities, there's going to be some specific uh, nuances there that, that might not exist with other facilities. Yeah. One of the biggest projects that we handled in the West was for a pharmaceutical company right at the beginning of COVID that had to basically, you know, jump into action and create COVID tests. So they literally took an empty warehouse over a million square feet and turned it into a COVID uh, production center. So at one point at the peak, they had to produce over 500 million COVID tests out of that facility. So working with the engineer that helped engineer that facility, uh, we initially started with six cells and those six cells uh, were all used, uh, we, we used temporary equipment until the permanent install equipment uh, was placed on the roof. So working in conjunction with all of the other trades, we actually had to uh, design all of the nuances for the project as we were actually installing the equipment. Uh, for instance, we actually had to help uh, the uh, sheet metal workers, or let me see, the uh, HVAC contractor 
develop a way to actually tie us in at the same time, be able to tie in the permanent system so that when the permanent system was actually installed, we would be able to switch our equipment off and their equipment on. And, you know, towards the end of the project, we actually had to phase uh, the permanent system with the temporary system because they could not be down. So for instance, if uh, their temporary, their permanent system actually had issues, our uh, temporary system actually had to jump into action right away uh, because production never stopped. That facility basically ran 24 seven. So it was a, uh, a great project, lots of challenges, uh, lots of opportunities for us to, to use our technology and then our knowledge and experience to get them uh, where they needed to be. So in, in the end, that facility uh, ended up with eight cells, uh, and then we we basically finished out uh, as they put their permanent system in place. Mm. That's that's incredible to to do all of that in tandem. Um, you know, kind of working side by side with other people. That's uh, that, that's a really interesting project to hear. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Mesa. Uh, who's who wants to take the lead on this one and tell us a little bit more about this project? Uh, so I'll jump in there for Mesa, and that actually worked in conjunction uh, the same. Uh, engineer who was helping with this other pharmaceutical actually was uh, helping us with Mesa. And Mesa was a nut, yet another company, another example of uh, a pharmaceutical company jumping into action for COVID testing uh, kits to be made. So uh, they started off very small in their facility where they already had some of these capabilities. So we started with a uh, solution to actually increase production in their facility that they already had uh, initial you know, production in. Then they actually bought another uh, warehouse similar to the other pharmaceutical company and basically turned that into a production center. It was an old uh, uh, office space that they gutted and, and you know, they built, uh, I think at the end, they had four cells uh, that they had built and started producing COVID uh, test kits out of that facility as well. So the same thing we had to basically, nothing, everything was planned and nothing worked as planned. So it was a challenge uh, and it definitely put us to the test for, for getting that job done. Absolutely. And, and Austin, when we talk about pharmaceutical companies and, and some of the really important work of developing COVID tests uh, during a really crucial time for, for many, many people, um, are there any particular uh, things that, that make pharmaceutical facilities maybe more or less challenging than others? So one of the unique things with um, these jobs is that there is oftentimes uh, a manufacturing side of them. And these companies that are also trying to do research and development uh, as well. So oftentimes this is in the same city. It might be uh, just a few blocks away from each other, but, but they're building these dry rooms or clean rooms, these extremely strict environments where they can do tests and um, test products, chemicals, drugs, um, and do things as complicated as stem cell therapy, gene therapy. They're doing uh, highly complicated uh, life science testing in, in these uh, environments. So in San Diego alone, I believe there's over a million square feet of planned uh, construction work converting office space into life science space. And that's what we really saw uh, explode at, out of uh, the pandemic. I don't think that's going to slow down. And uh, I know that there are other metros, including LA and um, San Francisco, and probably uh, many others that are doing the same thing. They're converting office space into life science uses. So um, it's been an incredible expansion to watch. It's, it's uh, a constant talking point in the community is how we will be able to support um, and, and be sustainable in this environment. But um, 
it's encouraging to see the developments that that have been made in that time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And making uh, the best use of maybe available space, I think, is uh, is another good way to think about that and look at it. Right, um, just what is needed right now at the time, and how do we make that happen uh, in the space we have available? That's a that's a really excellent point. Um, Victor, I want to come back and talk to you about the, the Clara Foltz uh, project from 2018. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this project and, and what made this one unique. So that project took place at the uh, Clara Foltz Courthouse in uh, downtown LA. And that uh, courthouse um, actually experienced a, a pretty major water loss on their sixth floor. Uh, they had a, uh, a, basically it was a relief valve for their chilled water system that had failed. And in that failure, it basically uh, leaked out several thousands of gallons from their sixth floor damaging courthouses uh, to just regular office spaces uh, and down to their major uh, file keeping area, which was on the second floor. So in, in itself, that job was uh, several months in, in the uh, undertaking. We also had to we also had to work with um, other vendors. So during the course of the project, the structure actually had to be abated because it was actually full of asbestos. Uh, that structure is fairly old and the fireproofing down to the mastic all had um, asbestos in it. So uh, we were uh, one part of several other pieces that were working on that project from the structure uh, to facilities actually trying to get those courtrooms back into service. So we actually focused on the document restoration. So uh, we had several uh, hundred thousand images that were scanned uh, because those files were affected with asbestos. Yeah, there's no way to clean uh, any kind of porous uh, material like documents. So we came up with a procedure to dry the documents in place uh, and then scan them, digitize them, and then uh, provide an OCR service, which actually creates a searchable PDF for the courts to actually take those files back and treat them as originals. So all in all, we weren't able to save too many of the files because of the asbestos, but we were able to digitize the majority of them uh, and then get them back into the courts. Several of those files actually uh, were active files, meaning that they actually had court dates and we actually had to balance out uh, the files that were urgently needed so that folks can actually uh, have their court dates met uh, versus other files that, you know, they, they were just sitting on the shelf waiting for either their retention to be met or uh, for, for them to be recalled by the county. That is, uh, wow, what a, what a project and um, just absolutely unbelievable. Austin, anything to add uh, on this project that Victor described? No, um, I think uh, ultimately it is incredible the amount of um, organization that a project like that requires. Um, you know, conducting inventories on on documents uh, in that in that quantity and uh, of that importance is extremely important. That uh, there were a lot of factors in that uh, particular project that were unique to uh, the city and uh, the situation. But um, yeah, it was. Great that Polygon was able to be a resource in that situation. 100%. 100%. Well, the examples we've covered today really kind of run the gamut of all different kinds of solutions and different issues that you can run into and how Polygon is able to overcome them. Um, guys, I want to give you uh, the last word just in terms of uh, anything you want to leave the audience with here today, just about Polygon, about the solutions that you can provide uh, or anything else maybe that we haven't touched on yet here on the podcast. So Austin, let me kick it to you first. Just anything you want to leave the audience with here today? Yeah, I think ultimately, 
in the projects that Polygon has been involved in, what we have seen become more and more important is planning ahead of time. And especially with uh, talks of life science and, and um, documents and uh, construction development and supply chain issues, really planning has has become the, the most important factor in our work. And uh, a lot of the issues that we have seen arise with our customers are because of a lack of planning. So some of these problems could be um, mitigated or, or, or done more efficiently if, um, if Polygon was involved earlier in the conversation, if we were basically uh, involved in the planning process. And we are seeing um, contractors and companies involve us earlier and earlier, especially with um, the, the supply chain delays that we've seen. But that continues to be one of the most important factors for us is um, getting involved in these conversations early so that we can be a consultant, a resource, uh, you know, and some advice, uh, just some, some good guidance to a contractor or a company to help avoid a lot of the issues that they've run into. Excellent stuff. Uh, Victor, any final thoughts? I think I'm uh, I'm very happy to see where the company is going now in regards to IoT and sustainability. Uh, some of the current projects that we're working on right now really highlight our capabilities and being able to affect both uh, simultaneously. So I'm really you know happy and pleased and excited to see where we're going to go next on some of these projects that we're already talking about uh, for the future uh, in regards to planning, uh, sustainability, and then just our ability to implement our new IoT. So I'm really excited for what uh, Polygon has in store for the future. So I'm excited. Well, excellent stuff. You guys uh, have done an amazing job uh, explaining these projects and, and kind of giving us some great examples uh, for people to take away what Polygon is capable of, uh, no matter the situation. And so, uh, Victor and Austin, it's been a pleasure having you guys on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Ideal Conditions. You just heard Vic Victor mention it. Uh, there's a lot of exciting things uh, in the world of IoT and exciting things that uh, that Polygon is is doing right now. And so stay up to date with the latest by visiting uh, the Polygon website and, of course, by subscribing to the podcast, where we'll talk more about some of the projects that Polygon is doing, has done, and uh, where they're going in the future. So make sure to stay tuned to that. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts these days, and stay up to date with the latest. But for this episode today, for my guests, uh, Austin and Victor, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>